Welcome to Tribe of Two, the officially unofficial podcast for The Mandalorian on Disney Plus streaming. I'm Jim. I'm Aaron. And today we're talking about season two, episode six, titled Chapter 14, The Tragedy. Uh, Aaron, what did you think of this episode? Uh, the tragedy, the, the the death of the poor Razor Crest. I mean, it's kind of been the ongoing joke of this season, but uh, I, I don't think there's any rebuilding it no, now. No, Humpty is dumptied for sure. Like that, that. I mean, it's it's shrapnel. It is shrapnel at this point. And See, I, yeah, uh, there's the stick shift left. Uh, you know, uh, Baby Yoda's a teething ring, mm-hmm. and there's the Besker spear, and and that's 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 it. That's it. Yeah. Um. I mean, obviously, the the true tragedy is uh, uh, Baby Yoda himself, Grogu, getting stolen by the, the evil Moff Gideon. And really, and, I thought it was the, the retconning of Boba Fett again. Ah, it's, it's not that. Ah, there's half a million fanboys screaming out, <laughs> but 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 Boba's not a Mandalorian, and they were all silenced, all silenced by the Favro um and the Fellini I yeah I mean that's the thing like I've been having you know I've been watching the spirited discourse about um the Mandalorian and and all the the WPMs the Wikipedia's per minute is writing and I just like I guess that's where it just is hard to get too bent out of shape about Star Wars canon is because I've lived through like three purges I've lived through three or four different um, origin stories for Boba Fett and ever more creative ways to like you know retcon it and like keep the retconning consistent and you know uh, but th- this this feels really cool and you know Django or Boba Fett showing up and just absolutely wrecking shop with and without his armor um, shot yeah. in loving action pornography by Robert Rodriguez uh, it was a really cool moment seeing Slave One ripping out of the atmosphere is a really cool moment. Seeing the Mandalorian teaming up with Boba Fett is like an amazing like this. Th- they're setting up an uh, an all star ass wrecking shop team uh, for these final two episodes, and it's 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 really fun. <laughs> Uh, what did what did you think of the episode? Yeah, I'm with you. I, I don't have a lot of like the the jetpack and Boba Fett problems that a lot of people do. Like. Yeah, I, I think it kind of sucks if you're a if you're an older fan of Star Wars like I am, that they would just sort of dismiss you and say, well, you know, either get with the new shit or get out. Uh, it's it's a weird like sort of retcon gatekeeping sort of thing, but like, right? I, I don't really care. Um, like, okay, so Boba Fett didn't think about his jetpack. Well, he had a he had Grogu to think about. You know, he's he's. He's not thinking. That's the point. Excuse that me, scene. the Whatever. Mandalorian forgot about his jetpack. Boba Fett never forgets so, about his sorry. jetpack. Yeah, I, I forgot who <laughs> who uh, is the real Mandalorian here. Um, uh huh. Yeah, I think and, the and real I think Mandalorian like, is the friends we make along the way, Jim. It's true. It's true. The, it's not the real Mandalorian is in my to... heart. Yes. Uh, yeah, but I, I think it's fun. You know, it, it's this show has turned into, uh, you know, go to planet, have action scene get one piece of the clue, continue forward, uh, repeat, yeah. you know, rinse, repeat. Um, and that's fine. That's fine. That's what it is. And just sit back, I guess, and enjoy, uh, that enjoy the show for that. And I'm having fun with it. Yeah. I mean, it's like I said, it's, um, I, uh, my, my 14 year old has not seen it yet. Uh, cause I was gone all weekend. He's been at his mom's, but when he comes back, I'm sure he's going to think this is the coolest fucking thing he's ever seen. And he's not wrong. Oh yeah. And I mean, people have been waiting to... decades for Boba Fett action, right? We, we've never right. really seen the badass that Boba Fett is. And I, I think they did it pretty well. I, I didn't have any problems with the fight scenes. 
Yeah, I mean, that's the thing, like, Boba Fett's always cast this extraordinarily long shadow in the canon. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, he's the most feared bounty hunter in the galaxy, but all we've seen him from in the canon is he's gotten scolded by Vader, he almost shot someone until Vader made him stop, he almost captured Han Solo again until the blind fucking Han Solo launched him into the Sarlacc pit, and then he got belched. Yeah. Um, but he's always been like this. Like I remember in Star the Star Wars miniatures game I used to play. Like if you had like you know if Boba Fett was like forty seven points of a hundred and fifty point army, and he would just destroy your half of the board if you fucking let him. He had twin attacks and double attacks. He had crazy like you just couldn't touch him. Video games, he's always this fucking legend. And a lot of expanded universe, he was always this like supreme thing. And we've never seen it in any kind of canon source until, mm. uh, uh, you know, like live action. I'll specify that live action yeah, yeah. until just now. And it was extraordinarily satisfying. And as an older as an older uh, man with a expanding gut myself, also <laughs> <laughs> seeing seeing a uh, fet the Moss land, you know, Boy. with the heavy footsteps and just start just start ripping these stormtroopers limb from limb was uh it was really it was really fun it was a lot of fun i like seeing him as kind of like this weird dark jedi monk uh wielding the gaffy sticks and and like a like a sledgehammer i liked seeing him like use i mean even the crazy shit like uh, knee rockets which i think were only a thing on like the the visual dictionaries or incredible cross sections like (laughs) you know know about those i was like oh okay knee rockets sure why not why not yeah you you can have wrist rockets you can have knee rockets Absolutely, it's it's a it's a wasted piece of armor. It's just gonna mm-hmm. protect your knee. How often is that? Let's put some rockets in there. That's what we need to do. Um, it's it's just it's just really cool. But on the other hand, it's it showcases all of the weaknesses of the Mandalorians. Like they just established three episodes ago that the Mandalorian can remote control his jetpack. Yet this episode features Mando running up and down a hill when time is of an essence, when the child is being ripped from him by dudes with jetpacks, or I guess robots with jetpacks, and he's got to send Jeng or uh, Boba up there with Slave One. Um, it's it just like that's kind of thing. Where, like obviously the plot requires him to put down his jetpack and forget about it the rest of the episode, but. But what and if you know he what? didn't? A fourteen-year-old's never going to notice that. What, but, what if he I didn't? Did. And what if Mando, the Mando, actually showed any kind of weakness whatsoever, and he flew up to fight those uh, dark troopers and lost? I thought that's like, where they were going to go with it. That he was. Th- that's an amazing action scene, right? Like you yeah, go flying like, like, through the air, fighting dark troopers while they're they're escaping with Grogu, like. And you're not good enough. You're not good enough yet. You don't have right? all the tools and skills, and it's, maybe personnel and. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Seeing the Mandalorian get spanked and like go, but you know, tail between his legs, and I have to regroup with Boba Fett and and Finnick and and uh, Bill Burr get get the squad together, like the and, and make it'll make it that much more tasty when he finally gets his vengeance and they finally get Grogu back and you know Moff Gideon gets served out finally. Uh, I I don't know. I don't I don't know why they didn't consider that, or if maybe they did, they just run out of you know. Um, it's a thirty minute episode. Uh, I wonder how yeah. often the runtime comes down to like, well, our action shot sucked up this much money um, and we don't have time to do the thing. So, you know what? He's just going to forget his backpack. I guess the uh, one thing you couldn't do is cut any of like the Boba Fett action scene. Like that would be the it, most disappointing if we see Boba Fett on screen and there's right. an attack and we don't get to see Boba Fett fighting. And knowing the double lefts, if there's like a if there's 40 minutes of material on the table and they're making cuts, they're not going to cut any of of uh robbie's action scenes for with boba fett because that's what they want to see as bad yeah, as, yeah, as any you of can't. us do 
Uh, and they're, you're not going to cut any Baby Yoda stuff, right? Because Baby Yoda's too cute. Uh, right. Got to leave him on screen. Uh, okay. Um, sounds like we should get into the recap. Probably. Here are the highlights coming up this week on Bald Move. For Prestige, me and Aaron are still extending our Shogun Afterglow with part three of our discussion of the 1980s TV miniseries. Last week absolutely shocked our sensibilities with Lord Toronaga doing the tango. What delights and horrors will await us this week? Then for Pulp, this Friday, join us for our latest prep session for House of the Dragon Season 2 as we take another look at the key differences between the text of Fire and Blood and the on-screen action for Season 1 and what they mean for the characters, story, and setting. Get your Valerian steel sharpened for the new season. You can find these and many other great podcasts by searching for Bald Move Pulp or Bald Move Prestige in your favorite podcast app. Getting geared up for the 6th Annual Summer Badass Fest. And while we're working on a slate of apex badass films to enjoy, we've got an early action-packed announcement to make. Just like last year, we're kicking off Badass Season with a live movie watch and podcast recording. We've rented out a theater for connoisseurs of action films and bald move fans that just want to have a great time. Unlike last year, this year's movie is top secret. Hush, hush. No hints. Except, it's incredibly badass. It stars an absolute icon of the genre. We're willing to bet most of you haven't seen it, and it's going to be an incredible viewing experience with a packed house of bald movers. Those of you who came to last year's screening of Total Recall know what a party it was. And those of you who didn't, (laughs) now's your chance to experience it. Meet me and Jim, order some custom movie-themed drinks at the theater's full bar, then watch us record the full podcast for the movie. We reserved a venue over twice the size as last year, but seating is still limited. It's happening Friday, 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 June 21st at 7 p.m. in our hometown of Cincinnati. Get full details and buy tickets at baldmove.com slash live. Cincinnati's actually a pretty great city to visit, and we've got lots of details for side adventures on our event page as well. The Reds are playing the Boston Red Sox in their fantastic Riverside Stadium. The thrills of Kings Island just minutes away, and I'll be leading a kayak trip down the scenic Little Miami River on Saturday. Again, get full details and get your tickets now on our Badass Fest 6 page at baldmove.com slash live live. All right, we start off with uh, Mando and Grogu approaching Tython. Um, They're doing the Jedi catch thing again. Uh, I guess Mando's just trying to like sort of try and help teach him except you know he's not very good at it because he's not a jedi um and yeah i i didn't understand this scene like it's fun for like you know the his obvious pleasure at using the child's name and the child responding to it and him like chuckling under his helmet and then um the, i guess the thing i don't understand is when he had baby yoda grab the stick shift and then he says dank ferric which i've always taken as like a ex, um an exclamation of displeasure like bloody hell or son of a bitch or fucking hell you know what but like he used it 
and it scared Baby Yoda. Then he's like, oh, no. I, but I wasn't sure if he actually meant, like, uh, yeah, what was he doing? Is he like, hoping that he wouldn't be able to do it this time, that the skills would fade? Or is he hoping that things would work better? Like, what what was the day? Or is this kind of like a more of a hot damn kind of thing where you can use it? <laughs> Or fuck, you know, like fuck is like a lot more like dank. Maybe dank Ferrick is more like a fuck that you can use it in multifaceted ways. I, I don't know. Um, yeah, it's a good question. I, I wasn't sure about the dank Ferrick stuff. I mean, the the whole thrust of this is to emotionally connect us between you know Mando and uh, Grogu. So and it does feel like they are setting up that nicely that like he yeah. is kind of in denial, like he's acting like, hey, if I just find a Jedi to give you up to, it's going to be easy peasy, kid. But like he's denying how much the child is attached to him. He's denying how much he's attached to the child. Yeah. You know, he's making up all these excuses. I can't train you to power. Like, it's weird because I would say they're setting up for a situation where the Mandalorian does train Grogu. He can't. As like a bounding bounty hunter, I saw a suggestion. Oh, someone okay. suggested that you're going to find out that the Mandalorian actually refers to the child when all things are dead, done and said. But I'm like, I, I mean, that's almost too cool of an idea for Star Wars to countenance a master Yoda level Jedi that's going to be trained uh, to, to, to be a bounty hunter. Yeah, I'm I'm picturing the suit that they that the Mandalorians no doubt already have made the the baby Yoda the Grogu. Uh, miniature Mandalorian suit because you know if the sure. Empire has Manda- has Baby Yoda handcuffs, why the fuck not? Why not? Of course, those wee little wee little handcuffs. <laughs> but I, I don't know because like usually when Star Wars is countenance like a gray Jedi, you know, like a mercenary like Kyle Katarn, he's never been like chosen one levels of power, right? Yeah, yeah. He's always been kind of like a fringe Jedi that can do you know he he has his skills here, and I guess in the video game you can. Psh- power him up to be Palpatine or Luke Skywalker or whatever. But like it would, it would be a whole thing to like, okay, well you're going to have the highest middle midichlorian count. And you're also going to run around in Beskar armor. I mean, holy shit. It's super yeah. cool, but it's almost like universe breaking. Like why doesn't he just become King of the galaxy? You know, uh, well, that might be a temptation. <laughs> you know, it's true. King of the Mandalores at least, right. Is going to have baby, baby Yoda wielding the dark saber by the end of this thing. Why not? The Mandalorian is what he'll be. Uh, this does feel this whole scene feels like a a prelude to a breakup. Like he's trying to soften the blow that he knows is coming from when he's got a breakup with Baby Yoda. Uh, yeah, it's like when you're trying to talk him into someone and, and an idea of it's, it's a bad idea and it's your idea. Like, don't you want to do this? I thought you wanted to do this. And yeah, yeah, like Baby oh, Yoda's you know, you're, you're gonna have to go with the Jedi when they show up. Uh, you know, we'll find them. You're you're special. You know, you gotta you gotta do it. Yeah, yeah. I don't know, trying to let Grogu down easy. Um. Was the whole vibe I got? Mm-hmm. Uh, the next scene is they're landing near the seeing stones, uh, and the whole kind of landscape there is rocky and mountainous. So they kind of have to land a little far away, and then they jet up to the top of the mountain. Mando places Grogu on the rock and looks around, and then there's this moment where like butterflies are sort of congregating around Grogu, uh, and then we see Slave One fly in overhead, and Mando turns around. Uh, you know he's he's been kind of looking around to see if there's any way to activate the thing. He turns around and and Grogu's communing with some kind of spirit energy force field thing that Mando can't pass through, and so he decides to buy Grogu some time by taking on Boba Fett. 
Yeah, I love it that he's like, uh, you know, it seems like he's more interested in the, the butterflies and the insect life. And then Mando turns around, sees a threat, and suddenly he's become one of the force and a lotus pose. Yeah. You know, this like impenetrable field of energy around them, all these glowing Jedi runes. It's 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 pretty it's a typical Mandalorian, you know. Yeah. Um, and until I saw baby uh, baby Grogu uh, in this this like you said uh lotus pose thing i couldn't really picture him doing that but it worked pretty well like you get the sense of like oh okay he's trained he's been trained before he's like actually he's really good at him. this yeah. uh yeah um it was cool and i'm the glad they count through the roof oh yeah oh it's spiked off the chart <laughs> uh, i'm glad they had a reason why just using his ship wouldn't work this time because it didn't look like he could land anywhere over there so that was cool Right. As opposed to season one where they were just like, you need to ride this animal out there to this place. Why is that? Because it's the only way to pass. This is the way. Do it. Motherfucker. It's it's a good location spot because I was even looking like, how the hell are you going to land on? And then like, oh, sure enough, you can. And you got the jetpack now, so you don't have to like ride a band up there or whatnot. But uh, right. Yeah. Go down with the with the windows down. Mm hmm. Which I would, that's the other thing. I was like, what the fuck is he talking about? And then they smash cut to him flying with the armor. And I'm like, oh. I yeah. also lo- like how the Mandalorian, they depict the Mandalorian, at least that's how I see it, as he's not completely in control of the jetpack. Like he's d- doing a lot of kind of like uh, the way I would look like if I'm trying to balance on a ball or something. You know, a lot of like fr- kind of semi frantic hand moments or hand movements and balancing. I mean, he's clearly proficient, but uh, he's maybe not uh, Boba Fett level proficient yet. Oh, yeah. It'll take some time. So then uh, we get to see Boba Fett uh, in his Jedi robes. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. Obviously not Jedi, but robes. Uh, he tells Mando that he wants his armor back. And uh, of course, that's the armor that Mando took from Cobb Vanth uh, a couple episodes ago. And uh, because Boba never uh, took the Mandalorian oath, uh, Mando won't hand it over. And we find out that Finnick is also there with a sniper rifle train on Grogu. And there's a tense moment of standoff here until everyone agrees to put their weapons away and they talk. And uh, we we find out that Boba saved Finnick on Tatooine somehow off screen, turned her into more machine than woman now. Uh, (laughs) At least her her belly parts. Yeah. And then we see another ship fly over and stormtroopers flood out. Can replace your bowels with hydraulics. That's all I. Yeah, I. Yeah. It, so Star cool. Wars. Star Wars is going to be added to the 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 wide shelf of shows where I will no longer consider a character dead unless I actually see them expire. Yeah. And like a doctor, a medical droid, a two one B medical droid comes flying in and says they're dead. They're beyond the technology of 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 Bacta. Yeah, we this, run this, them this through the Bacta dead. tank. Nothing. No response. They're yeah, gone. They're, they're too sad to live like Padme. They're just going to die of broken heart. Like, I, I need something like that. I need a medical droid's opinion before because, like, yeah, she was dead. She was less left for dead. That was the whole point of the episode, and now she's back. So, yeah. And, of course, this is coming from uh, a character who I watched as a child die in a Sarlacc pit. So, mm-hmm. um, it I, I wanted, like, 
when I saw this episode's runtime of 30 minutes and then Boba Fett shows up, I immediately like, God damn, this is the one that should be 59 minutes because I want to catch up with Boba Fett. Like, how the fuck did you get out of there? Yeah. Why have you been spending so much time on Tatooine? Why did you never leave? Especially when some mook like Cobb Vance or whatever his name is, has got your armor this whole time. Like, but in universe, it would make no sense to have that conversation because Mando doesn't know or care about the history of Boba Fett. And he's yeah. just some dude to him. And like Finnick, probably they've talked over campfires and her healing over her, you know, hydraulic gut wounds. Uh, so it's just not the time. But like, do you think we'll ever get some satisfying? Like, how the hell did you get out of the Sarlacc kind of? Or I could also see yeah. Favreau doing the kind of thing where it's like they cut to a scene of like Mando and Finnick and and Boba like talking and that's how I got out of Sarlacc pit. And, and Mando's like, sounds like a tough jam. And they just yeah. move on like. I don't know. Uh, I, I feel like um, there's room for it, right? Like Mando and Boba are on this quest together now until they find uh, Grogu. And there could be some downtime. Uh, you know, Mando in this standoff doesn't have the, I don't know, the reason to really ask um, more sure. about like, oh, you were following me? Because I could see a, a path through where it's like, Okay, well, Boba Fett was following Mando. Mando led him to his armor. He actually, how would he know where his armor is, right? Um, but by following Mando through his uh, quest, Boba Fett found the armor, and then now he's following Mando anyway. I don't know why he's following Mando in the first place. Maybe he thinks he, you know, he's like uh, Mando was earlier, where he thinks, you know, just following this thread of like, well, Mandalorian armor. Maybe I follow this guy. It's the only lead I got. Mm. It's a bad one, but I'll try it. That's true. The the the, the Mandalorians seem to like they make the most of the very thin leads. Oh yeah. But it, it is it is a really interesting question. Like, how did Boba Fett get out of Sarlacc pit? Yeah. How did he lose his armor? Like like you're strong enough to escape the belly of a Sarlacc, or did you like take your armor off inside and climb out of its gullet, and then it shit out the armor later in the Jawas, or like Utini, and they found it like. Uh-huh. Uh, it is. It is. It's. It's a fact. And, and maybe they'd be better off not answering those questions because, again, it's like you know, like uh, what's the timeline here? Why would he want to take it off a of Mandalorian rather than I don't know a Jawa colony or this this like relatively weak human marshal? So so maybe they are better off staying away from that and letting other people fill it in. Because the other thing is like, you know, we've been talking about spinoff characters, a Boba Fett like trilogy of movies or like a limited miniseries, kind of like the Punisher to the daredevil on the MCU side, that would do massive numbers. And, uh, uh, I, I just, I don't know. Uh, I think there's been talk of that. I, I think it's, it's rumored that they're going to do some kind of Boba Fett miniseries maybe. Uh, but I don't know. We'll see. And Tamir Morrison can still fill out the the armor. I mean, he really fills it out, but he's he yeah. brings this kind of uh, Jake DeMus energy to the role. It's a real uh, ferocity, and uh, yeah, it's 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 something else. He, in and out of armor, he he looks the business. I like the offense he takes uh, to the you know taking the Mandalorian oath. I give my allegiance to no one, and then moments later, he's signed a, a pact here to safely uh, to, to guarantee Grogu's safety. I know it's a trade, right. but it's also allegiance in a sort of weird way. Plus, yeah, he's, 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 but he, he got that into himself. It's not someone, someone, no one made him do that. And he's also like, you know, he's quoting his dad. I'm just a simple man trying to make my way through the galaxy. Um, yeah. 
It's uh, cool. It's 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 all pretty cool. But also, I don't know why you couldn't say, "Hey, check the armor blockchain or block code." Mm-hmm. You know, you'll see. You can, you can. This can all. This fight can all be. But I guess the Imperials kind of forced this. This this, this episode's paced like relentlessly. It's like one goddamn thing happens to another. You land. You jetpack. The force activates. Boba Fett's here. You get in a fight with them. You give up your jetpack. Bam! Here comes the the stormtroopers. It's uh, there's there's never any moment that kind of like, hey, let's 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 talk this over like uh, Boba suggests. Yeah, it's a it's a series of ships flying overhead and people going, oh shit. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I, I got to know more about Phoenix's situation, like how this all happened. The guts being totally replaced with robotics like i said more machine than woman now it's like i did, did he replace her entire bowels with this machinery did, did he like how far up does this machinery go is she oh yeah it's 30 33 feet of durastel tubing now it's that's did, did he take her to the jawas and they did this like i i don't know I don't what's know. going on here but they it, don't it is yeah, it is funny because when they showed her, when they she opened her belly, I think there'd be like tubes and stuff. But it's like essentially a scaled up version of what was in Luke Skywalker's palms. Just like these little weird yeah. hydraulic pulley systems and stuff. I'm like, well, I mean, I guess that makes sense. That's her abdominal mu- muscles. You'd have to replace abdominal, the mm-hmm. abdominal muscles of this woman. You'd have to replace uh, that. But like, yeah, I was hoping for some tubing. I was hoping for some uh, techno looking uh, uh, snow lizard guts or something. Tauntaun, that's what I'm trying to think of. There's a lot of complicated uh, gut works you got to replace, and and I don't know if Luke's hand is going to make that happen. Luke's hand Uh doesn't have to digest food and provide nutrients for the body. Yeah, and like what else is, yeah, like how far does it go up to their place? You know, I think Star Wars can replace just about anything. Like look at Darth Vader, but... uh, Yeah. But can, can Boba Fett on a backwoods desert planet There's in the so outer much rim sand in there yeah they got so much <laughs> oh, sand no. so much yeah. sand in the wound it's going to take forever get, to get all that out i mean obviously gets everywhere uh it's all right everywhere. mando runs back to grogu to find him still meditating he still can't penetrate this force barrier even though he's going to try not once not twice but at least three times this episode uh and so boba and finnick are fighting off stormtroopers trying to keep them uh at bay this is a long this is a long action scene here Anything you want to talk about? Uh, yeah, I mean, the stormtroopers still just refuse to take cover. There is natural cover all around this, and they're still running right up the, the, the gauntlet, like riding into the kill zone. Some of them have the temerity to, like, complain about their lot, like, oh, there's too much fire. Flank them, you idiots. Yeah, try to flank. Try to use some cover. Try to use some suppressive fire while you're other, but, like, there's... Wouldn't it be cool to see stormtroopers be? I mean, I did. I, I feel like that this is not to show the double F's. Uh, Fellini and Favreau are not going to do this. They think it's funny that the stormtroopers are this comically inept. But it would sure. be it would be nice to see some rank and file stormtroopers that have a couple brain cells and to, to make the heroes actually have to work. You know, but but the heroes are no better. Like. Uh, uh, the Mandalorian's idea of getting in a firefight, landing in the middle of stuff and letting his Basker tank shots while yeah. he just, you know, flinches a few every every third hit and guns people down in the open. So it I mean, he's got that very luxury. it's it's very G.I. Joe fighting style, um, even down to the like you can't you, you, you can't even do really horrific things to people unless it's like a robot or they're you know, like you can. 
You can pulp a human being's head as long as it's shrink-wrapped in plasteel armor because, like, some of those gaffy stick hits of Boba just tomato can these guys' heads. Yeah. Uh, but I guess their inner body glove just soaks all that stuff up because not even a trickle of, like, tomato juice ever runs out of their helmets or down their seams, even though they're just being pulverized by this, I guess, vibro stick because it made that... It, it, it didn't make the, the weird... Huh. Pseudo motion, but every time it hit, it made this like thunderclap, which I thought was really cool. Um, oh, I didn't even notice that. Um, I thought that was just a stylistic thing. Um, that it they could were doing be with the, the sound effects because, the music. like, Boba Fett's that big of a badass that, like, you know, and he even sold it. Like, he's a big man, you know, putting some some mass behind these swings. So even without any kind of technological sophistication, uh, I think these stormtroopers going to have a bad time. But he's just just opening them up like so many crab shells, getting their meat out. Yeah, uh, <laughs> and they're they're really going for broke with the soundtrack here, and I, I don't know if it totally works for me. It's a little bit like too electronic, a little too like not hmm. not John Williamsy enough, um, not Star hmm. Warsy feeling enough for me. But like the Mandalorian does, holy have shit, a it's a lot. Very, it has a very unWilliamsy feel. Like even the main yeah. theme has got very weird kind of tribal woodwinds kind of stuff going on with yeah, it. Western. Um, uh, yeah, motifs, yeah, for yeah. sure. Uh, I the, the, the stormtroopers having artillery was kind of cool. They uh-huh. apparently they have a whole branch of stormtroopers in yellow armor that do uh, boom tube stuff for the Empire. I thought that was pretty cool. Those, um, those guys know better of a shot though. They, they yeah, it took them a while to bracket fire. They don't have any kind of helmet, you know, heads up uh, range finder and stuff like that. That's that's exclusive. That's that's licensed and patented by Boba Fett. Nobody else in Empire can have it. Um, what did you think about Finnick, uh, Indiana Jonesing the entire squad of stormtroopers with the boulder? She oh, got, with the boulder. Su- yeah. Uh, yeah. I, all of this action stuff is meant to be just taken as, oh, it's cool. Like, none of it makes sense. Absolutely none of it. Uh, her running across the ridge line of a hill while she's being shot with a repeating blaster is like, Right. The most insane thing to do when she could simply duck behind the thing. Duck behind Them the ridge, setting yeah. up a repeating blaster anyway on In this terrain. Open, yeah. Well, on this uh-huh. terrain, like it's so hilly, you're going to line up a shot and three yeah. seconds later, it's going to be gone. You're going to have to dismantle it. It takes 45 seconds, move it over to the next place, set it up. It, it's yeah. an ineffective weapon in this terrain and whatever. Like that's not what the scene is about, right? The scene is about looking cool, showing us some awesome stuff happening and us just sitting back and enjoying it. And I thought it was fine in that regard. Yeah. One of these days, I think they'll fi- figure out, I don't know, maybe this isn't a show, but it's actually really cool to have smaller scale battles that are really smart and tactical as yeah. it is to have like three people mow down 50 mooks, you know? Yeah. I kind of like the one um, that they had back on. I think it was on Navarro when Moff Gideon first shows up, you know, and the, the flamethrower stuff and they're like pinned down. Oh, yeah, I, th- yeah, I thought yeah. all that stuff was really good. And then they've uh-huh. gone on and done stuff like this where it's like, uh, I'll just have to turn my brain off and enjoy it. Yeah, and that's that's fine. That's, uh, you know, I've seen Machete and I've seen uh, El Mariachi and, and all that other stuff. The the Rod, Rod, Rodriguez's touch, he's, he's very good with action. And oh, yeah. I was happy to see it. Um, and I actually like Phoenix design. Like her armor is really cool. It reminds me of like um, mid-level Destiny Warlock armor, but it looks it looks very looks looks very cool. And her, like, you know, it's like they, they sell the story of it becoming an increasingly desperate fight. Like, you know, um, 
she's she's down like maybe running out of bullets and she's throwing helmets and and just when things look uh look 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 tough uh Mandalor- the Mandalorian gets there and starts you know saving things with uh uh his wrist rockets and tanking shots with his armor and then Boba the Hulk lands yeah and, and kicks their asses it's a moment it drives yeah, it drives them out <laughs> like and in fact he's the, he he doesn't look he looks amazing doing everything, even with this like armor. Who it's clearly seen better days. It's just strapped over his his dark Jedi robes and whatnot. It's it's not uh-huh. a complete set at at this point. Um, but I will say, now that I've seen it happen three times, I don't think the Boba Fett should have to bend over to shoot his rocket. That just looks fundamentally silly, and I can't believe we've had three directors now. I guess two directors like okay that and be like, you know what? It's obviously a homing missile. It's the important thing is getting the lock and then this it should just be I mean, have we never seen a cruise missile launch from a submarine or something like you don't you don't have to like help it. You don't have to get it like, you know, within 15 degrees of its flight path to launch. And it's always this like little half bow that they do just always looks so and it looks really silly when thick ass Boba's doing it. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, Boba doesn't need fair. to turn his body to shoot his rocket. I'm sorry. He just doesn't. It's a it's yeah. it's he needs a he needs to get a target lock and then launch that sucker. And then and then forget about it, which also cool guys don't look at explosions there. There is mm-hmm. that, you know, I was actually aiming for the other one, which on second watch, I I just happened to look for it. It's true. He was he was targeting the other thing. Um, does that mean Boba Fett canonically just misses things or? Yeah, that's a little disappointing. Um, maybe he's rusty. You know, he hasn't used the armor in a while. He just got out of a Sarlacc pit. Maybe he's, you know, and cops said the armor is damaged, obviously, yeah. you know, uh, that it had sustained some damage. So maybe it's just, uh, not firing right. Maybe the targeting system uses the rule of cool because I did think it was pretty mm-hmm. fucking cool that he took out two of those transports with one shot. Yeah, for sure. Uh, uh, it, it's but yeah. remarkable to me. Like the, the, the way they're using stormtroopers is like, they are whatever they need them to be in the moment because mm-hmm. when they're fighting Finnick, they can't hit a damn thing. They they literally they can she can be standing there in the open. They can take a hundred shots at her, not a single one lands. When Mando flies in with his Beskar armor, which is impenetrable, they just start landing yeah. shot after shot after shot on him. Kill shots. Fifteen Kill shots, shots a second. Yeah. Boom, 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 yep. boom. You're done, man. Fuck you. And then they're spinning. Like there's there's a scene where they are spinning back to back, right? Defending each other. When Mando's mm-hmm. in the front, he's taking shots. When Phoenix in the front, they're missing so wide. It's a, it's a, impossible. Yeah. It's ridiculous, man. It's so fucking ridiculous. <laughs> I don't, I don't care. Like whatever. It's funny, but yeah, it, it is. It, there's, there, it's funny. Cause like ever, I guess it's everyone's personal taste because there's some stuff where it's, I'm like, yes, yes. Give me more. And then they get to like, I, I thought that was particularly egregious. The fact that he's essentially, covering her and some kind of wrote like oh here comes incoming blast let me let me spin around and take those and like okay are you a jedi or what what the fuck um i do want to call out one other thing oh boy boba fett's wrist rocket him using that to like punch a stormtrooper and fire the rocket to like send the this trooper into low earth orbit that's pretty choice i (laughs) I, uh, yeah yeah like i i don't it's a lot of fun watching boba fett beat up imperials i'm sorry um, it's it's a lot of fun him justifying his reputation in live action finally as an old man as an old man too yeah so yeah these aren't even the glory days uh, the, the other thing speaking of firing wrist rockets it's 
strange to me that Mando earlier in this episode when he first meets Boba Fett and he's trying to intimidate him is like cocking his wrist rockets. He's cocking wrist mm. rockets. What does that even mean? Like he, you know, he pulls up his wrist, sort of half aims at a Boba and blue light flashes and a thing moves. What possible function could cocking a rocket on your wrist serve? I don't know. It's like, uh, yeah, it's uh, it's, it's a it's, weird it's, it's feature gotta, to it's, have. It's, you know, you bend your wrist 75 degrees down and it just does an intimidation display full 90 degrees down. And that's what the, that's yeah. the final. It's, it's, it's like a trigger. I guess it's it makes sense because it's like, you know, triggers and guns aren't usually binary. There's a there's a finite amount of pressure that finally breaks and triggers. So maybe. But yeah, it's like, yeah, you want you want your hidden wrist rockets to be able to intimidate some people every once in a while. I guess. Uh, did you? Why not? Speaking of the the actor that plays uh, Finnick, uh, Ming Na Win, she's fifty seven years old. No, Tamura Morrison's only a year older than her, and he looks like he's been digested in a sarlacc pit. <laughs> Jesus, I I I cannot believe how well preserved this uh, this bounty hunter is. I'm gonna have wow. to get all my guts replaced by plasteel tubing because <laughs> yeah. holy moly. What what an accomplishment! What an accomplishment! When fifty seven uh, years wanna, old, just, I just want to point that out that that, that yeah, her Hell her no. and Be- Boba are only like a year, eighteen months apart in birthday terms, but that's crazy. Good lord! Uh, so Moff Gideon shows up and fires from above, blasting the Razor Crest into shrapnel, and he engages the Dark Troopers as Boba scrambles back up to his ship, uh, or back to his ship, and Mando and Finnick go after Grogu. Four Dark Dark Troopers land and fly off with Grogu. Uh, Boba is able to follow them and slave one and seize Gideon's ship. So they at least know who's got Grogu. As if they hadn't any question about that. Yeah, the Razor Crest getting blown, Razor Crest getting blown up is actually kind of a moment because... I wish it were a bigger moment. Like, I, w- I wish it was. Yeah. It had some buildup. I wish it wasn't just completely out of the blue. It's... I don't know. I like the Razor Crest as a ship. I wish there was more fanfare around it before it blew up. That's my question. Like, is the only way I see because I thought the Razor Crest was a cool looking ship, and the fact it was like a pre-imperial, like kind of rare that it's you know it's got these like you know nice things for mercenaries and bounty hunter features. Like, is he going to get another Razor Crest, or are they setting this up that he inherits Slave One? <laughs> I mean, and and how probably... does he inherit Slave One? There's no way he inherits Slave One unless Boba Fett's dead. Yeah, I don't see Boba Fett just like you know what? Uh, I, I came to reclaim my armor. Uh, uh, why don't you take my dad's ship now? Uh-huh. Like how how do they how do they write themselves out of him? Because he needs a cool ship. He does. He does. He he absolutely needs a ship. Um, and Slave One is the the only place I can really see him getting one, unless he can go to like Kara and or. Or whatever and say a lot of kids have razor crest lego sets under christmas trees right now it's true and no, i didn't even think what's about that, that? going to be like open it out and then it's like oh well the razor crest is blown up jimmy yeah uh let's tune in next season to see what your new kit's going to be like i it's uh i feel bad i feel bad although i i don't know if kids really care about that stuff maybe it's more like oh i can't wait to get the new thing but uh yeah, yeah, I, I just, I do wish it was a bigger moment. But I mean, as far as, yeah, ship goes, like, you gotta kill Boba Fett if you want the slave one to go to anyone else. I would think And if so, you're yeah. gonna kill Boba Fett, you have to make it on his own terms. He has to sacrifice himself knowing that he's gonna die. And 
Mm-hmm. You know, look, Favreau's great at this, right? Like the heroic sacrifice is he is no stranger to that. Yeah. For uh, sure. So he can do that scene and he can do it well and he can make uh-huh. he, he can in that moment make Boba Fett a bigger hero than he already is or, or a bigger badass than he already is because I don't know that he's a hero. Um, and it's the only way they can do it. What do you think about the uh, the the first appearance of the Dark Troopers? We speculated about those a few episodes back and talked about their history in the Dark Forces games. Uh, unimpressive. Unimpressive. Well, I feel like they look like the Mark Ones. They're just kind of like com, you know, like upscaled combat droids. They're not like the real yeah. hulking ones. They certainly aren't the ones. I mean, these are recognizably droids. I thought they're not. Yeah. They're not people in suits, and that's clearly where this project is going both in the old legends and and then the the new star wars canon it seems like oh we don't get to see him do uh, anything right like this could have been yeah, anything this, with a jetpack this this could have been i don't know a stormtrooper just been, regular ass stormtrooper gonk power generator droid yeah, yeah. <laughs> with a jetpack on it yeah, yeah they, they did nothing the you, you wouldn't even need a droid to do this you could just you know, send down. Some I wonder kind of if they did have. Drone, I wonder whatever. if they did have scripted a, a fight with these guys because you're right. Now that you mention it, like sending the squad down to just kidnap a unconscious baby Yoda uh, after he's already dropped his shield. Like it had been kind of badass if they like forced their way through the force shield or something. It's like oh, well, they're slightly resistant to the force or. But yeah, just going and picking him up and then taking off and using the you know Grogu as a human shield. Uh, or I guess a Yoda shield. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I I wonder if they did have something bigger and they just decided like hey, there wasn't the budget or time for it because you know it's just got a huge budget and obviously the mouse has got a lot of money but it's not unlimited. So no, no, I did enjoy the flip and burn that they do. We're always talking about that in yeah. uh, in the Expanse and they definitely do a flip and burn here, decelerating they burn. Did. Yeah, it's pretty cool, really cool. I I, I think they look cool. I I'm. I'm curious to see, like, so what is the odds here? Is like, is one Dark Trooper bot worth a Mandalorian? Is like four of them worth the Mandalorian? Like, what is? Because obviously, forty stormtroopers can kind of sort of keep Boba Fett, Finnick, and the Mandalorian if he's distracted, busy for five minutes. Like, it's not, and, and you know, and if like, he doesn't have his armor, gonna, yeah, if, yeah. So I, I wonder what is the conversion rate for you know, is a Dark Trooper worth ten stormtroopers, a hundred stormtroopers? I'm really curious to see how badass they are, and of course. If if this follows anything like the legend stuff, they'll just keep scaling up until you get the final version. It's going to be a real fucking handful. Yeah. Uh, so Mando surveys the crater that used to be a ship, and he picks up the uh, gear shift knob, the ball, whatever, uh, as well as his Beskar spear. And then Boba proves to Mando that the armor belongs to him by showing him some chain code from the suit. Uh, and Mando agrees to give it back. Boba says the deal they made requires them to help him find Grogu. Uh, bring him back to safety. So I interpret this as being like Boba Fett's a foundling's foundling, like literally. And like, I don't think that any obligation, verbal obligation, he would go all in on. But like the fact that like another Mandalorian just had its foundling stolen from him on a quest, like, and we all also know that like Boba Fett's not the exact same branch of a Mandalorian whack job that the Mandalorian's from. Cause yeah. he obviously shows his face and doesn't seem like there's any shameful of, but like, you know, he does follow the code. Like he, he is from the branch that recognizes the obligations that foundlings, uh, put on the people that find them. Um, I thought that stuff was really cool. And, and if Boba and, and, uh, uh, the Mandalorian, uh, Jin, 
are going to be palling around, this is going to give them a good opportunity to talk through some of that like Mandalorian cult shit that yeah. I'm really fascinated by. Like, you know, uh, yeah, I, I think that the, that that that'd be really cool, really cool conversations and are great. They got time and opportunity to have them. Speaking of those conversations, uh, let's talk a little bit about Boba Fett. I, I don't know much about Boba Fett other than uh, the stuff I read from the now non-canon legend stuff way back in the day, like Tales of the Bounty Hunter. Uh, there's Tales an Easter the canteen, egg, yeah. I think, in this scene where Boba Fett shows Mando the chain code. And in it, mm. you see all the the Orbesh or whatever it's called, the the language of Star Wars, the writing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, people have translated that, and it might. I, I, you know, I haven't gone and translated it myself. I don't know. I'm taking the word of of the the people like I saw on Reddit. In there, uh, it's it's sort of like a you know find the find the word kind of like circle the word kind of puzzle, and you can see Concord is in there. And then Minter Jast, J-A-S-T-E, is in there. Now, what I remember from Tales of the Bounty Hunters, Boba Fett's name, his actual real name, is Jaster Mareel. And so, like, Mm -hmm. having this Minter Jast in there is, in my opinion, like a... Uh, an Easter egg to that. And then this Concord in there is an Easter egg of like the retconning they did to him in 2002 with the uh, star. What is it? Boba Fett year one or, or something like that. I forget what it's called. Um, mm-hmm. The name of the dark horse comics that, that kind of explore uh, Jaster Mareel's background um, and how mm-hmm. he connects to Django Fett. Yeah, I think that this is an attempt to kind of like, you know, retcon for all time these things because, you know, I think the modern lore is essentially Jaster Mareel is the uh, benefactor of Django. He's the the founder of the, yeah, <laughs> of the Django. Yeah. So it was like it's like all this stuff about like, oh, it's Jaster Mareel's armor and it's his ship. Like all that stuff is kind of true from a certain point of view because they're all in the same lineage and they all have the... And and the fact that, like, you know, there's people that I just saw last week, people getting heated canon debates on r slash uh, the Mandalorian TV about whether, in fact, Boba Fett was a Mandalorian or not. Um, yeah. There is a lot of this kind of, um, you know, depends who you ask and depends on when you stopped reading Star Wars novels and whether you've kept up on it and whether you've seen Rebels and Clone Wars and all that kind of st- the Dark Horse comics. But I do think that this is a, an attempt to try to get a definitive, like, well, all these were kind of sort of true. Like you got bits and tr- you got bits and pieces of the truth. And if for a guy like Boba Fett, who's shrouded in kind of mystery by design anyway, I think that's kind of interesting. But it's also a little bit like nailing Jello to a tree because they, mm-hmm. they do this in Marvel with, with fucking Wolverine where like what is his actual backstory? How old is he? Which wars did he fight in? And he did he fight it as a Canadian or an American? I I don't know, and I, there could be a movie where they try to like take all the stories and and streamline it and make it like actually true. But I mean, shit. Uh, I I guess now they're 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 whatever they're doing is they're committing to it, and and I think that all those little what you're calling as Easter eggs is signs to the fans that are like, no, these this is now the page that everybody needs to be on. This is the new updated Wikipedia article. Everything else has been deprecated. Uh, so they weren't times. they weren't doing that in 2002 when they changed Jester Muriel to not be Boba Fett but to be Django's mentor. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean that's the other thing is because uh, I remember reading 
because I tried to get to the bottom of like this Boba Fett stuff a couple weeks ago. And I remember like um, the the anti Mandalorian sect of fan base of Django or of, of Boba fans. They 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 hung this hat on like uh, Dave Fellini talked of George Lucas when he's setting down to do the Clone Wars and and Rebels. And they had like a bunch of ground rules. And I guess one of them was that George said um, uh, adamantly that that jo- Boba Fett is not a, a real Mandalorian. And there's like quotes in the like Rebels and Clone Wars uh, uh, to that effect, too. So it's like now it's like I guess the only difference is like Disney itself is stamping it and saying this is we're we're filming it. This isn't just hearsay. This isn't just a comic book or an animated kid show. Um, This is actually live action Star Wars, which has always been the most canon you can get, you know. So I, I I don't know. I, I feel like this how do you is... define the Mandalorian? Is it taking that oath? Because you know if it's if it's taking the Mandalorian oath, then Boba here says well, that he hasn't that's... done that. And I think there's already people trying to see the because there's one character I think his name's Almec that made a very str- like you know definitive statement about Boba Fett not being a Mandalorian in these cartoons, and people are already being like, well, he would say that because it was in the context of a Mandalorian civil war, and he's very clearly trying to no true talk Mandalorian about- is is that where we're yeah. going? Yeah, <laughs> holy shit. Yeah, no, that's exact. Yeah, it's exactly what it is. He's he's essentially yeah like g- gatekeeping Mandalorian for political uh, and propaganda purposes, which fine. You know, but uh, I actually think it adds a lot of color to the universe that it's not one way to be a Mandalorian. Like, what does that even mean? Like, how are Corellians? You can't even describe what a Terran is like in 2020, Uh, like much less like describe how a Corellian behaves or a Mon Calamar. The fact that there's like all these factions and political things from a, um, a, 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 a faction that has recently fought a civil war over some of these doctrinal. I think that's really cool and and makes the universe seem a lot bigger and more realistic than all Mandalorians believe a certain way and they think of this and da da da, you know, very mm-hmm. very like Star Trek does their alien species. Yeah, for sure. Uh so then they take Slave One to Navarro where Mando asks Cara Dune, now Marshal of the New Republic, uh to look up Mayfeld, who is the guy who who he stranded on that prison ship last season, uh, Bill Burr. Billy Burr, yeah. Uh, he's doing time, apparently, for that whole incident. Uh, <laughs> but Mando needs to break him out to locate Moff Gideon. Why? I could not tell you. I can't possibly tell a... you what a, a sharpshooter that has... Maybe it's his nebulous. It's literally the only guy he knows who has Imperial connections whatsoever in the entire universe, so he's going to go bust him out of a prison. I feel it's like Ocean's Eleven, you know, and like uh, Danny Ocean and Brad Pitt are talking about, it's like, hey, we're going to need a Grease Monkey, we're going to need a Florence Nightingale, we're going to need Ella Fitzgerald, uh, a Monkey Man, and and yeah, and like, and the, this is like, this is their Ella Fitzgerald, you know, like you need, sure. hey, got to have an ex-Imperial sharpshooter because we're yeah. going to have to send a turbo laser bolt down a tumbler lock and it's the only thing yeah it's like okay the you know mando's good at what he does he knows what he needs this is a guy who can do it it is weird that you can't find after his galactic civil war you can't find you can't like throw a stick and hit an ex-imperial sniper with flexible morals you got to find the guy who's locked up on some kind of hell world no doubt under maximum security. Yeah you're telling me grief can't find a single imperial like ex-imperial person who might right. point you in the right direction it's plus they yeah. also describe finnick as a sharpshooter like is this guy sharper shooter yeah yeah for sure i mean she can hit the mandalorian from a mile away anytime she wants you need something i maybe you need two sharpshooters we'll have to see we'll have to see yeah 
Uh, so then Gideon goes to see the imprisoned Grogu, who's using the Force to manhandle the guards in his cell. Uh, and Gideon has Grogu stunned and restrained, and then he tells uh, his underling to let Dr. Pershing know they have their donor. Boy. I, I haven't looked for the memes, but my God, there have to be memes everywhere for these cuffs. Yeah. It's it's more of like, uh, you know, uh, Moff Gideon say, fetch me the teeniest, weeniest little cuffy wuffies. You know, it's like, well, how uh-huh. would you describe these things in, in the Imperial Armory? Like, order uh, uh, manacles extra small, like three-fingered. I, I, I believe is, the Empire makes, a rut- makes it routine to handcuff babies. I believe sure. it. I would believe of it. Of course. Shackle them, sons of bitches, mm-hmm. before they can even crawl. Treat, treat them that it's, it's, you can't crawl away from the Empire. There's no, <laughs> no young, too young an age to have that discussion with a baby. Mm-hmm. Uh, it is fucking hilarious, though. It's oh, both yeah. funny and adorable and sad to see him just like passed out, all shackled up and whatnot. It's the best but, kind um, of stupid. I like it. Yeah. And there's a little bit of like Stranger Things 11 here with Moff Gideon, like, um, training this child to like hate and do violence and encouraging it to do it just the like, way that you know Dr. Eleven was raised. Brenner, is that his name? Yeah. Okay. Was it? Yeah, I was trying to think of what his name. Um but like but yeah, like it's 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 badass and cool, but also you feel bad watching it because you know yeah. baby Yoda doesn't want to do this stuff. He just wants to commit genocide against frog people and and uh you commit petty theft against children all day. Just just beating up stormtroopers is is a is a moment is 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 too far on the moral uh gray scale for us but yeah i mean moff gideon's a real asshole it's fun to see mm. i don't think i've ever seen um john esposito play this kind of villain he's a lot more playful and yeah um like emotive you know like he's not like super tightly buttoned down he's just uh, uh he's a powerful guy and he's in control and he's living large and in charge it's yeah it's fun. like the Darth Vader version of his characters in Breaking Bad and Westworld. It's like mm. those two combined with Darth Vader. It's kind of the style he's going for. Yeah, it works for me, for sure. He taunts him with the Darksaber, and I, but he's like, have you seen one of these before? And I wasn't sure if he's specifically referring to the Darksaber or if he's talking about like a lightsaber in general, because obviously Baby Yoda would have. Yeah, probably the Darksaber. Um did we talk about whether Cara Dune is going to be joining the the party? Because they leave it mm-hmm. ambiguous. Everyone seemed to assume that she was, you know, when he said, uh, hey, I hate the Empire as much as anybody, but these stripes mean something to me now. And he's like, but they've got the child. And she kind of like gives him a hard look. I guess it's going to be Boba, Cara, Finnick, Mando, and Mayfield, and maybe a couple others is my guess. Maybe I didn't take that to mean I'm all in. Uh, I didn't I either. Know. I was actually shocked to see everyone just assuming that, like, yeah, like the the memes were to the effect that, like, uh, you know, hey, I can't do this. Well, the, what about the child? Oh, you son of a bitch! I'm in. I'm like, yeah, maybe. Yeah, uh, and I guess the bigger open question here is what did Grogu's meditation actually accomplish in this episode? Because that is the biggest dead end of a clue that they've ever had, right? Like there, they were, the Jedi were supposed to come. He was supposed to connect with them. He did, but nothing came of it. Absolutely nothing. And now everybody has gone from that planet. I, I do the Jedi now, you know, have an, uh, an awareness of Grogu's existence or something like they've honed in on him. And so they can track him through space now or, 
I mean, we'll I see imagine. in the future. I, I just, I don't think it's a completely yeah. dead end. I don't think they're going to just no. drop that. In fact, I wouldn't be surprised if the third act of the next episode or the climactic episode is just when all things look lost and Boba's yeah. lost his lost ro- rocket and his last knee dart and the Mando's out of wrist rockets and, you know, Phoenix sharpshooter gets cut in half. Her guts uh, malfunction from all the sand inside they're, they're, of her. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, she's shitting and going blind simultaneously because <laughs> her eyes are robotic, too. Uh, then did as all as a dark trooper mark twos are advancing, you know, some lightsaber shoves through a bulkhead and cuts a hole and yeah. some asshole we've never heard of before is going to be uh, there to save the day. Drop um, Jedi. But also it's it reminds me of one of those <laughs> drop Jedi. Yeah, everyone's dropping these episodes. Fucking yeah. droids, stormtroopers, everybody. I wonder. I mean, it's what it reminds me of those things. One of those things. It's like when you when you reach out connection to make a connection, it's a two way thing. Like you you yeah. make you can make connection with the Jedi, but like also, what if Sith? You know, mm-hmm. like any kind of like that powerful of a force ma- manifestation. I I'm wondering if this is going to be a story hook for a se- you know a season to come. That like you know every once in a while a Jedi or a Sith is going to cross a path and be hunting them down because he just put them on blast essentially. Um, only yeah. the Empire, the shards of the Empire have been looking for the child thus far, but now you've got all the disparate bands of, you know, Jedi in exile and, you know, Sith are going to be looking for him too. Darth Maul. Why not? Let's get Darth yeah, Maul Yeah, bring there. Maul back. He's still kicking around. Sure. It's going to be the, the pit boys. Everyone has drugged themselves out of a bottomless pit. It's mm-hmm. going to be coming back for the Mandalorian. <laughs> and he puts up Palpatine. Uh, Palpatine already drug himself out of a pit for the se- the sequels. So, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Boba pit Fett pieced back together both of those guys. <laughs> like, just, their guts the are all over. Yeah. The, the pit boys are back, baby. Uh, yeah. Love it. Madman and father of Mad Max, George Miller, is back with another apocalyptic tale from the Australian wastelands. This time we're getting a prequel featuring the origin story of Charlize Theron's character Furiosa, starring the Queen's Gambit's Anya Taylor-Joy in the title role and the mighty Thor Chris Hemsworth as the warlord Dr. Dementis. Furiosa promises more high-octane, slightly radioactive action and fun. Furiosa drives in the theaters on May 24th, and we'll have our spoiler-free thoughts and impressions of the film, as well as a discussion of trailers and upcoming movies for everyone. But if you want to ride with us the full length of the podcast on the eternal highways of Valhalla, shiny and chrome, you're going to have to be a club member. Join today at support.baldmove.com. Get our full discussion of Furiosa and many more first-run films, plus tons of other bonus podcasts and ad-free feeds. Support.baldmove.com. All right, that's it for the episode. Do we have feedback? We do. We do. You can reach us at mando at baldmove.com each and every week. We also have a thread on forums.baldmove.com if you want to argue if Boba Fett is a Mandalorian or not. Hmm. I mean, shit, what is even canon, you know? Wait five five years, it'll change. Uh, first up is Claire said, hey, I thought Jim might like to know that the official Star Wars The Child Lego lists the little silver ball as a razor crest shifter knob. So you can continue to call it that. I, what I saw does that you, mean? It's these guys. You're shifting. You're shifting hyperspace gears, man. And you need a knob for it. Sure. Why not? I'm That's just calling exactly it the it knob. I put, you know, the British have kind of cornered the market on the slang knob. <laughs> I, can't, I can't really call it playing Polish. with Mando's knob. Yeah. Come on, Grogu. Stop polishing that knob and let's get serious. <laughs> uh, quit polishing your little knob. No. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, when he gets to, when he goes through teenage years, that might be a problem. 
Uh, which what what means 125? He'll be yeah. hitting puberty. Sounds about right. Adam W. When Ahsoka mentioned that she only knew one other being like Baby Yoda, I was also immediately skeptical that she didn't cross paths with Yaddle. I was so skeptical that I paused the show to check uh, Yaddle's Wikipedia page and was surprised to read that it seems like this all checks out. Yaddle apparently took a less active role in the Jedi Order's affairs after the Battle of Naboo and was no longer in the High Council by the time of the Clone Wars. I've not watched the Clone Wars animated series, so not entirely sure where Ahsoka enters the picture, uh, so I could be wrong. No, a couple people sent this in to us, and it seems like you are right. Uh, and it, okay. so it she does seem like it radar. is literally a Wikipedia entry that says, well, this is what happened to her because she never showed up again. Um, yeah. Is this from and- like some soon to be retconned uh I'm you know lucas arab novel that was written right about the jedi yeah, there's council probably a footnote of like some kind of limited edition star wars uh comic book but th- that's that's a story and uh okay. we're we're sticking to it um i just think it's weird that no one in the jedi council talks about yoda's species like is it really that mysterious when they had two of them running around in the jedi council within a few years like you know like oh what was yaddle and yoda again oh they're hell i don't know anyway frankie r said i haven't heard you guys talk at all about what's actually one of the most interesting parts of the show which is the tech that drives the billion dollar look and feel of the mandalorian if you have time and i know you'll enjoy it if you watch it i highly suggest watching the making of season uh, one six-part series on Disney Plus called Disney Gallery Star Wars: The Making of the Mandalorian. I actually they they've been um, pushing this at the end of every yeah. Mandalorian, and I started watching it. I'm on like episode three. Um, they're short episodes, but I'd highly suggest episodes four and five, which break down some of the breathtaking advances and throwbacks the show has taken in producing cutting visual visual cutting edge visual and practical effects for TV. Have you seen any of these, Jim? Because I actually watched this this man. Man, yeah. they got some cool shit. In particular, I want to talk about something they called the volume. Are you aware of this this thing? No. It's 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 I've essentially a set the size of a half court basketball, and it's about three stories high, and it's got curved like you know all the edges are curved, and it's an entire. I can't I can't tell if it's projected or all LED. But they're able oh, to right. and they, they shoot lasers at the ceiling. They play Pink Floyd and you're supposed to get high and go see this room. Yes, okay. that's what they do after hours. But during <laughs> right, shooting right. hours, they're actually able to put this fully immersive 360 degree um, background like they aren't green screening Mandalorian. They're standing him in front of like on, okay. when you, they put him on Tatooine. He's in this incredibly high res 3D environment. And the advantages of that are manifold. Um, And the way they use it is really ingenious. Like, for example, um, they'll take the Jawas sand crawler tank tread. And that's a real physical prop that's in the room. And then there's like a little bit of plating that goes up against the wall and all seamlessly blends into the set. So when they shoot this with a camera, um, they get depth of field and the background kind of looks blurry. And you can't tell it's a, a screen. But all of like the reflections you get of Mando's armor... Like they get all that stuff for free. The lighting looks right because it's able to project the like accurate lighting of this sky color at this day. They Mm -hmm. want it. It just looks like like they're really excited by it. And um, it looks really next level. And what's really interesting is um, we recently got our hands on some screeners for the new season of The Expanse. And I don't want to spoil anything, obviously, but I think they're using the same technology because Mm -hmm. there is a there's a scene of someone riding in an elevator where I I thought it was 
almost it's pretty obvious that they weren't actually moving through this space. They were just projecting shit on monitors and stuff. Huh. And I just think it's a really I don't know. It, it feels like the next generation of blue screens, because if you're just wanting to shoot like a star background behind someone, especially if someone's in the foreground and the background's kind of out of focus anyway, mm-hmm. why take the time to composite that shit? Just put them in front of a big, big LED screen and have them lit realistically. And, and when you're close enough that you could tell, put a physical prop there. But so many shots were done at this new technology. It's really fat. It, it, I thought it was one of the more fascinating things. Um, it reminded me a lot of like the behind the scenes wet shit from the Lord of the Rings stuff. I've been watching where people are just giddy about this new toy and all the possibilities. Like in the first, I guess in the first season, it's just something they did. They like cut costs and like save time. But in this second season, they started actually thinking like, wow, how could we actually build sets to take advantage of this and make things bigger and more expansive? And um, it's yeah. it's really cool. And I just essentially stole the rest of Frankie's uh, uh, comment in my enthusiasm for <laughs> the volume. But uh, but it's, oh, yeah. it's really cool. cool. And, and the way that the, the, the camera seems like it's synchronized to it. So as it moves, like the background moves and gives realistic like parallax scrolling. And they can like digitally clean yeah. stuff up later because it all synced to like the movements and stuff. And I, they use um, the Unreal Engine is what powers this like three dimensional space that they texture and light and do all that kind of stuff. But it's huh. cool. You, you ought to check it out. I imagine that this is going to be like used for all your favorite, um, especially Disney properties. Oh my God, MCU is yeah. going to be using this tomorrow. Mm-hmm. But uh, I thought I saw them using it in Expanse too. It's it's going to be. It's so a next, next level thing. You should check it out. Uh, finally, the Donald has concern about the pacing of the show. It says the first season was uh, slow and methodical and didn't really reveal anything at all until the final episode. The first half of this season seemed to be following much the same route. Maybe a little more information, but slow. And as Aaron pointed out, a lot of side quests in the RPG that we're all watching. But these last few episodes feel like they're skipping all that fun stuff and just blitzing right to the end. Um... I'm also annoyed that the Mandalorian show is less about Mando and more about Baby Yoda. I was really looking forward to Mando having to come to grips with being in a cult, his past and his position in Mandalorian culture, but it seems to be going away from that and leaning towards more epic Jedi Empire conflict, a.k.a. the same old Star Wars shit. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's definitely you think slow about playing the Mando stuff, for sure. And I guess I'm okay Donald's with that. comments here? Uh, yeah, I... I don't know. It is formulaic. Absolutely, this show is formulaic. It's it's like I described it at the opening of this thing. It's go to a planet, solve a problem, get a tiny bit of a clue if you're lucky to the next tiny bit of a clue that's going to point you to the next one over and over. Um, and I guess if you're not in for that, then, you know, this show isn't going to please you. But I, I guess that's that's fine. That's fine to me. And I guess it's like, what is the story engine, you know, because in the first season, it was like, what is this thing? The second is, this is what this thing is. You have to return it to its people. I think, I don't know how long that can be a story engine. Like, can you do five seasons in the Mando just continually trying to get the baby Yoda to where he needs to go and is continually frustrated in the effort? Or eventually is like the child going to be trained one way or another? And I also feel like having the... 
Baby Yoda being kidnapped might be a long, potentially a long-term solution to your problem of, you know, not getting enough Mando action because, like, I'm looking forward to the next few episodes because I think it's going to give this opportunity to have a Mandalorian discussing with fellow Mandalorians what it means to be a Mandalorian and kind of figuring out for himself. Uh, so I think that's really cool. And, like, honestly, I wouldn't even be mad if Baby Yoda's gone the rest of this season and big parts of next season. Like if it becomes like next arc is just like rescuing yeah. baby Yoda and assembling. I don't, I don't think that they're, they're going to do that, but like, I don't know. I mean, that's always the danger of once you get into some, like once you stop just stalling and start telling a story, it needs a, it needs a middle, which is usually tricky and it needs a conclusion. And those are, it's really easy to start cool things big open-ended mysteries with a sprawling world that you're designing. But as you make more stuff real, we've seen it over and over and over again. Um, creating new things also are handcuffs on the creator because you can't, that's, that's, you can't go back and change that now. Right. Yeah. Um, the possible possibilities that initially are infinite, start closing down and become the, you know, what's the logical thing to do next. And, you know, these like, you know, Mandalorian next season is going to be a middle-aged show and it's going to start having those problems. I think it's it's less affecting this show because this show's never been about, like, it's plotting. It's always been about it's a really cool Star Wars universe with a really cool central character and a really cute sidekick, you know? Right. Um, so Much I, cuter I, than I, Chewie. I, yeah. But if you're, if you're really concerned about the Mandalorian developing as a character, I think these next two episodes are going to be good for that. And also, I do think the Mandalorian has developed, like, he was such an emotionally stunted, you know, traumatized child in the first few episodes of season one. And now, like, you know, imagine him laughing with his baby child, you know, on kind of burbling on his lap. Like, you just can't imagine that last. He's made a lot of progress in terms of being like a parent and a guardian and relying on friends and making friendships and stuff. Like, you know, you always thought the Mandalorian is kind of a loner before. And now he's got pretty regular crew of people he can rely on both friends and frenemies and everything in between. So, uh, yeah, it's, definitely it's just changing. You can't expect this. Look, this is never going to be, uh, it's never going to be breaking bad or the wire, you know, like maybe one yeah. day the mouse will let someone do a really gritty mercenary bounty hunter show or a rebel cop show or something like that. But I just, I think that's a limit. That's a limitation to Disney. They can't do it. It's like, I don't know that I would trade the entire MCU for something like Logan, but it's pretty fucking close. I mean, it, it's just sad to know that no matter how many years this goes on, we're never going to get something like that. Like a really dark, like something that really does just like, we're never going to get a Wolverine movie out of Disney. That really does justice to his character. Like we did out of what is it? Was a Sony or one of the other people that had their mitts on the, the X-Men, Fox, Fox Studios. It's so weird to me, though, because, like, the dip, the dipping of the toe into that that was Rogue One, like, mm. I don't think it feels, like, super Star Wars-y, that movie, uh, because it's, you know, doesn't have a happy ending and all this stuff, but, like, people loved it. Star Wars fans love Rogue One more than any of the new uh, era Star Wars movies, right, in in a lot of cases, except maybe The I don't Force know Awakens. universal... Because, Jesus, I don't know that anything's been universally beloved right. other than Mandalorian in the last five years. But, like, I like it because it it was. It's a PG-13 Star Wars movie. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so, like, they dipped their toe into it, and a lot of people liked it. I could see it being real popular if they kept rolling with that um, 
and and you know dipped more i'm not saying like go hbo rated r uh kind of stuff but like more adult themes and and stuff that isn't just uh you know that i mean shit the original star wars movies have this in it it's not like you know those are all rainbows and sunshine like you can you can do a little bit of stretching on this stuff I, i don't know you mentioned breaking bad and i was thinking of an interview that i just recently watched with like um Vince Gilligan, and he was talking about how one of the best things they did for that show uh, is to have Walter White be given an opportunity to completely get out of the situation he's in and uh, and the audience to realize that, oh, he actually wants to do the things he's doing. Mm-hmm. And it gives it gives the show a reason not to just be week after week, much like The Mandalorian has been week after week. It's the, you know, go to planet, uh, perform a quest for somebody go to next planet, perform a quest. It would have been that with Walter White. It would have been, he's so close to getting to the point where he can get out of this, something snatches it away from him, right? It's the mm-hmm. next thing that comes in and takes that away. Mm-hmm. But when you when you frame it as he is the thing that no, that is taking that away, like he doesn't actually want the things that he's working toward um, or or the things you think he's working toward and he says he's working right. toward, that yeah. becomes an interesting character and an interesting show. And they could do something similar with Mando, and I feel like they might be trying to round into that, where it's like, okay, Grogu, I, I finally found your home world. I finally found the Jedi's take care of you. Do I want to give you up? Do you want to go to them? Like, can I communicate with that? Like, I, they they are starting to like round some bit of nuanced character into this right. this you know sock puppet of of a yeah. nothing of a character from the beginning. Maybe yeah. they're going to go that way. I don't know. Yeah, it's kind of like, you know, what happens when Isildur in the Lord of the Rings gets to the crack of doom and throw it in and he just l- looks back and says no. Like, what happens if he finds the Jedi Temple? There's three or four qualified Jedi to train him and he's got to give the child up. Got to break those attachments because mm-hmm. that's the thing. Like, you are fighting at the core of the Jedi. They're not supposed to have attachments. They're not supposed to have loves. And they're supposed to be very kind of like neutral Zen all the time. And that's not what they're doing to Baby Yoda Mando. I wouldn't mind a complete repudiation of the Jedi way, honestly. Because I've yeah. long since become an adult and realized that the Jedi are just opposite whack jobs of the Sith. Like, you know, denying human emotions and denying loyalty and love and bonds and that kind of stuff is just like inhuman. Um, yeah. And I always thought that they'd take that in a direction like Luke Skywalker, like being the third, like the middle path of that. But yeah, they haven't. And I wonder, it'd be interesting to see that happen with the Mandalorian that, that like, you know, uh, you don't have to do, you don't have to be this way. You can, you know, I mean, it's dangerous, obviously passions run high and all that kind of stuff. But like, you know, the answer, the answer to being a healthy human being is not to denumb to, to, to or, or reduce the emotions you feel. It's just to deal with them in an adult manner. Like instead, like when yeah. you get angry, instead of like, I don't know, murdering them like animals, even the women and children, maybe, maybe you take your lightsaber out of the desert and just slice up some rocks every once or, or you know, you, you, you don't go and murder the, the, the younglings. You, you work out your anger and your rage and your fear in other ways. That'd yeah. be cool. And I, that, that would be, um, that would take also, God, that'd be a great story to show like young people and teenagers too, mm-hmm. you know? So yeah, that's, I mean, they, this, this show can grow into something. And that's another thing like, like if, if this is family entertainment, 
all the great family entertainments grow with the audience. Like, you know, Harry yeah. Potter didn't stay like an 11 year old. He grew up on a teenager, had dates, all this kind of stuff. And like, that's what I mean, the Mandalorian could grow up with its audience if it's five or six seasons long. And you were a 12 year old when you first started watching it by the end and you're 17 or 18. It should be speaking something different to you, maybe. Um, I, I that's those are really great ideas for how they could take it. I I, I, I never thought of it that way, but you're right. They Did, got lots of possibility there. Does Harry Potter fuck? <laughs> uh no harry potter at most has some chase kisses and maybe hmm. dan- 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 dances all right i was uh, gonna watch the series if he fucked but never mind <laughs> <laughs> yeah once he discovers the pur- true purpose of his wand the the one that he keeps in his pants it's uh boy just uh hmm. reduce bone arrow from from there that from the high it's all about the elaborate spells of hiding boners and nice and, uh nice. never really recovers <laughs> All right, that's why I they think had to make this, the last movie two parts. There's just so much dealing with the boners. They, they had to, <laughs> the rest of the plot to get pushed to a second movie. The last movie might be two parts, but it's really about one part, if you know what I mean. Uh huh. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. The Elder Wand, <laughs> they call it. Uh, anyway, anyway, uh, now we're offending two franchises worth of people. Mm-hmm. Uh, Mando at baldmove.com is how you tell us how horrified you are at what we've done with Harry Potter and or the Star Wars canon uh you can also follow along at forums.baldmove.com we got a thread talking about mandalorian a lot of passionate star wars people there talking about it uh we'll be back next week the mandalorian is no more mm-hmm. we will be returning to our regular friday spot at least until i is this done before christmas yeah i'm, I'm okay that's what i thought i think i think we're we're done with the mandalorian throughout the rest of the season but we still got two more penultimate and ultimate episodes and they're going to be sure to be action-packed Lots of stuff, uh, right, right, aimed for your Star Wars fan heart. Uh, and we'll be there with you. Until then, I'm Aaron. And I'm Jim. See ya. <laughs>